All right, guys. Uh, I want to just read something here real quick. Tosca Rezhavi Semnat Rasvet Pesh Deviat Dobro Kashets Veni Vosvrash Chenei Domoi Odin Tovarne Vagan. That's a good one. Okay. That's a good one. As long as, as long as we don't got any super soldiers here, I'm good to go. <laughs> we can go ahead and get dis- started on discussing episode four of I, The Falcon and the Winters. What? If your pronunciation had been better, then something oh, might have gone down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was no. a little concerned you were having a stroke, personally. <laughs> <laughs> My Russian is yet. Um, (laughs) Welcome everyone to the MCU pod, a companion podcast to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm your host, Grant Davis, and Mike went to the bathroom and El Chapo'd himself out of a hole under the tub, so he's not here this week. But that's okay, because this week I won't have to do it alone. I'm joined by not one, but two professional screenwriters. Once again, we're joined by Gentleman Warrior Scoundrel of the Modern Rogue YouTube series and horror writer slash screenwriter, Jason Murphy. That's me. Hi. How's it going? Jason, thank you for joining us. How is it going? Uh, Thank you for having me. Yeah. uh, Just enjoying that golden age of television. You know, (laughs) it's uh, (laughs) uh, I I literally just got through watching the episode just a few minutes ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we really prepare for this show, folks. I know. Well, yeah, it's, 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 well, I actually did a, uh, we're, uh, Randy and, uh, uh, Bo and I recorded a comic book podcast recently. Uh, um, that, that my canon comics. That's right. We did one for the first time in eight years. And, uh, Holy and so that, uh, I got to, before this, I got to bone up on my, uh, Captain American Winter Soldier by hanging out with those two walking encyclopedias of comic book lore. And uh, like, man, anytime I think I know a lot about comics, like hang out with Bo and Randy. And (laughs) it's just those those two. They know their stuff. Is it too late? Is it too late to swap them in from you and me? I mean, I I feel like Grant would be better served with them (laughs) on the mic. Yeah, we're gonna bring out the ringers. Hold up, I'm pretty sure I can just. I can just drop you both. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, how's it going with uh, Modern Rogue? Uh, Modern Rogue is good. Uh, yeah, hey, yeah, that's that's, that's, a, God, that's an old one. Yeah, that's like that's like five or six years ago. Um, yeah, you can tell by the color of your beard. You can, yeah, it has spread quite a bit more. Um, yeah, that's our old that's our old body armor episode. Uh, I think, and I don't know. There's a lot going on. There's a lot to unpack here. There's a hatchet, body armor, and nunchucks that we made out of magazines. And yeah, you had nunchucks. <laughs> what kind of loser has not? What is, wait? What? What's what? On your oh, nunchucks? yes. <laughs> <laughs> these are my these are my thinking chucks, Grant. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah it's it's, it's good uh, it's been hard shooting uh the last year you know mm-hmm. uh because we're all trying to uh obey appropriate covid protocols and everything and so i've been going out to uh, modern rogue headquarters once every two months or so and i'll stay out there for two or three weeks and just shoot like you know 15 episodes or something like that and then come back uh and 
go into quarantine for a little bit, take a test to make sure that I'm not bringing anything home to my wife. And uh, yeah, we've uh, we've got some exciting stuff. And it'll be good uh, after a year that we can finally have experts back on the show, like before too long. <laughs> so Great. that is, I love having the guest experts because that means I uh, don't have to know what I'm doing. I can just fail and make stupid jokes the whole time. I don't have to teach Brian how to do anything. So. That's why I have you both on here. Um, oh, yeah. You also uh, you also have a book, a new book that came out. Uh, yeah, in, in uh, Killer Candy. Thank you. Uh, that uh, came out uh, in October, I think. I think I'm really set in October. Uh, and uh, that's the first in the Occultic series. And man, I just I keep having to push. Like I, I keep I keep missing deadlines of like because I've got the sequel written. It's almost done being edited, uh, and I've got a prequel novella that is almost done being edited. I'm gonna I think release both of those. Uh, we're going to publish both of those uh, in ebook and uh, well, at least in ebook. The novella is probably just going to be uh, the ebook, and uh, then the sequel to Killer Candy will be out soon. It's called Necromancers on Drugs, and uh, uh, you can uh, you can learn more about uh, all of my stuff. Sign up for my newsletter by going to jasonsmurphy.com. So I'll have some stuff dropping pretty soon. Nice, nice. We are also um, happy to be joined. By our buddy, friend of the pod, and screenwriter on Disney Plus's Gabby Duran and the Unsuitables, Mister Dimitri Pompey. Thank you, thank you, Graham. Grant, Grant, it's uh, it's it's Disney Channels, but it is on Disney Plus. Either way, look, you'll find I it. I don't know it's what available. the technical details here are. <laughs> it's fine. What I really like about me and Jason being here is like we are not unlike the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and that I'm that cool black guy who's kind of like actually broke. And Jason is the lunatic who plays with weapons. So really, <laughs> we've got we've got yeah. the full representation of the show right here. Yeah, and, uh, I brought my PTSD and everything. If if I can claim uh, to be Zemo, I'll just um, be in the background drinking the entire time. Oh, can we get a little? Can we get a little, little improvisational well, dance from you? Yeah, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit right. of. Um, how about this? What is love, baby? Don't hurt me, don't hurt me no more. Oh, so good. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm really starting to love Baron Zemo. Uh, he's oh, don't get ahead. Don't get ahead. Don't use all your good lines yet, man. Okay, okay. <laughs> sorry. It's yeah. He's so fantastic. He is delightful, and the fact that they filmed that um, dance sequence last week, or they released the episode with that dance sequence last week, they knew that everyone on online would be clamoring so much for more of that that they had already shot it. And then they released an hour long thing of him dancing. <laughs> Did you guys see that? Did they really? An -long loop, it's a looping right. video of it. Yeah. Uh, Straight up it's on the official Marvel like social media. So good. <laughs> That's why there's extra. I just really hope. Just... 
I just really hope they start bringing in some of the weird Zemo stuff, like the crazy super adhesive that sticks the mask to his face. <laughs> like, come on, let's let's get Silver Age with it. Let's let's do it. The I don't know matching bodysuit that is the entire the same the same material as the mask with the fur shoulders. That's what I want. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, folks, tonight we're going to be as discussing episode four. Um, you can check us out live over on youtube.com slash MCU pod. Um, and while you're there, please go ahead and hurl a vibranium spear right through that subscribe button for us. Just obliterate it. Um, we would love to have uh, you guys checking us out weekly when we go live here at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time doing our uh, reviews of this. And then, you know, What If and Loki and all the other upcoming shows. Uh, a, a few a few notes before we get into the proper episode. Uh, you guys can subscribe, like I said. Uh, if you go to mcupod.com, that's a p- good place to go ahead and find us. You can rate and review us over on Apple. You guys know all these things about like how you can support a show that you're watching. Uh, if you guys want to give us money, you can do that at patreon.com slash mcupod. You go there, make your per episode pledge, and uh, you can join us. Uh, it's not a per episode, it's per month. You can join us as a $2 Defender. Here we go, right here. Or a $5 Revengers or a $10 Avengers. And uh, we have bonus exclusive episodes and all that. I'm sure you guys are excited to have to see my pitch. <laughs> you got you to pull in the dollars. I understand. Make that money. Pay for this. <laughs> Help me pay for this. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah. And other than that, um, if you guys are currently watching us over on YouTube, you can go ahead and make your comments on what you thought throughout the episode. Uh, join in on the conversation with us. We like that. We can pop up your, your thoughts here on the screen as we go along. It's a lot of fun. And um, we're about to move into a segment that we like to call Snap Judgments. The whole world is watching this fourth episode. It's written by uh, Derek. Uh, Derek, I think it's just names as Derek. <laughs> I don't have it written here. Uh, this Nailed is it. from last week. Who cares about writers, right, guys? Um, and Carrie Scoglin is the director. Uh, the synopsis for this was John Walker loses patience with Sam and Bucky as they learn more about Carly Morgenthau. And yeah, for snap judgments, um, I'm going to let you go first, Dimitri. What did you think uh, a, of this episode and B of the series thus far? I mean, this episode is the best one yet, and I've liked all of them a whole lot so far. Um, very thrilled, very I, I cannot wait to see what happens next. Um, thus far, within the within within the series, I'm getting everything I, I possibly wanted. I'm a, I, I'll admit it. I'm a Captain America, Bucky, and Falcon Stan. So uh, it would be hard for this to disappoint me. Um, not impossible, but hard. But I'm getting everything I want, and I'm really excited to talk about it. All right. Jason, Mr. Murphy, what do you think? Uh, I, I really like it. Uh, how many episodes of this are we getting? Six? Is that right? Six. 
And that was four. Okay, well, that 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 makes about sense, right? Because here in this episode, we see uh, kind of a, a bunch of tipping points where you know you had a lot of characters having to make some decisions. Uh, so far, I think this episode just gets, or the series keeps getting better and better. There have been some shaky stuff. The first episode was a little flat for me in places, but I thought it worked pretty well. Uh, uh, the only gripe I have is that I'm still trying to get over the idiocy of getting Zemo out of jail. Uh, <laughs> that was one. That was the one thing where I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm just going to have to get past that because it doesn't. That's you, ridiculous. Do you mean uh, the fact that they got him out, or the method by which they got him? Uh, out? I mean the- that they thought that that was a good idea to get him out Look. at all. Look, man, and, you you have limited op. They, I think, of course, number one, you're flat for me in places. So roasted. Uh, number <laughs> two, <laughs> damn. <laughs> <laughs> number two, they're, they're back. We're getting the backs were against the wall, man. There were no choices. They, they, I they know. Had no options. Out of time. But you get the super villain out of there. But that said, uh, we can we can do spoilers, right? We're we're good about that. This yeah. is yeah, okay. Making sure. Uh, anytime the Dora Milaje shows up, all is forgiven. Because uh, when when they when they showed up uh, in that apartment to get Zemo toward the end, I just wanted, John Walker was like, "This isn't working like I wanted to." I just wanted like Bucky to just go, "Dude, you need to ease up right now." Just, I mean, no, don't do it. Seriously, don't do it. Like, and then, sure enough. <laughs> The Dora Milaje are just like, oh no, <laughs> you're not, you're not going to put your hand on me, Walker. <laughs> he pats her on the shoulder. And so it's just like, all right, commence ass kicking. <laughs> just takes him apart. I love how Bucky was, Bucky was just like, no, go ahead. Do do your thing, John Walker. Let's just see how this goes. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm very excited to talk about uh, John Walker tonight. And, um, I, I I just I, I just I, I I understand I shouldn't feel for him, especially like given the comic background of him. He's everything politically that I am not. But mm, man, he, they've done a really good job making me go. I understand where you're coming from. I don't agree yeah. with what you're doing, but I get you as a person. And not just John Walker. I understand everyone's motivations. Bad guys like Zemo. I get it. He's not right, but I get it, right? Mm-hmm. And like the flag smashers. Yeah, the flag smashers, John Walker, he's trying his best. You know, it's like everyone involved here, uh, the the villains all have great motivations. And so none of them are cartoon characters. And it's like that makes for a really great villain. And I think that you've got all of these people at cross purposes, and they have set up this lattice work really expertly. And just as it's really tightly written by the fourth episode, everything starts to collide. Here's where we have all this collision and uh, they set it up really well. The motivations are great. Uh, And uh, I, I'm really impressed how, how difficult it is to pick a side. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of collision, rest in peace, Battlestar. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Wow. We got some snap judgments from the audience. Uh, Will Morris says, Battlestar should have stayed tied up on that floor. He'd be a lot less dead. <laughs> <laughs> got him. 
Rich Murphy says, more like D Captain America. Am I right? (laughs) That was brutal. I did not (laughs) see that coming. Nicole Jackson says, Carly is out of control. Zemo might be right. Kern Uh, says, that was really dark for a Disney production. Utterly brutal ending. Yeah. Blood scenes easily off of Vibranium. (laughs) I keep telling, when when we write for Disney, I keep saying, can we go a little darker? Let let me end an episode with a bloody alien or Gabby holding a kid's hand. You know what? They never let us get this dark. So I'm very jealous of the Marvel side. Put Gabby... Put Gabby on the tree of woe from Car- uh, Conan the Barbarian. Just, just do that, you know, with the tree pecking at her. Come on, Dimitri. <laughs> you know, okay. I feel like it would be my last day on the job if I ever, if I ever pitched that. <laughs> tell him you could tell him it was my idea. Uh, I don't want you taking credit because when this one wins the Emmy. <laughs> So uh, this episode starts with a flashback to the White Wolf. We got him um, him being read the the brainwashing lines that transform him into the Winter Soldier, and he's able to withstand it. It's like a good emotional moment, and it really goes to show you that the people of Wakanda and the Dormilaje definitely saved this dude's ass only for him to go ahead and break out the dude who killed their king. Uh, that's a that's a pretty brutal move there. It was it was, it was again, I, I know I know that the the circumstances, you know, they, he, he felt his hands were tied. I mean, he had to talk himself into it. He had to talk Sam into it. I, I'm glad that he knew that there were the consequences were having the Dora show up for him. I'm glad that he knew that was coming. <laughs> he was not surprised at all. And he understood, knowing full well that he would incur the wrath of Dora, that he had no choice but to get Zemo out. Again, that's the kind of thing that justifies the move for me. So I'm fine with it. Jason obviously has issues. But I do. That's okay. I, we, we can still be friends. I, I, I do have issues. I, I really just wish, like... Some of the other Avengers, like, I just wish Sam's phone was blowing up, like, the last two episodes. Just like, and it's like, Hawkeye, Thor, uh, everybody else alive. And they're like, hey, uh, maybe I heard this wrong, but it sounded like you guys broke Zemo out of jail. That uh, You didn't want to talk about that a little bit, maybe? Do you remember? Because that was kind of him. And uh, you just pissed off Wakanda. You didn't piss <laughs> off. You didn't piss off Oklahoma. You didn't piss <laughs> off Latvia. Okay, you were into Latvia. You pissed to off Wakanda. Be, to be fair, Sokovia was uh, Ultron, and maybe more so Tony. <laughs> and okay, that's, true. that's true. That's true. But the whole breaking apart the band. Ah, that was a beautiful Zemo moment, and. I don't know. I Arguably feel, the most effective MCU villain ever. Arguably. Right. And I feel mm-hmm. a little bit like I'm rooting for the guy a lot here. And that's in, by intent. I know that the writers are trying to make me root for him because he's he's adorable and he's he's delightful, guys. Can we uh, can we have a little love session real quick here for, for yeah. Zemo in the background? Right. He's constantly like just eating Turkish delights and, and having little sips and uh, he's the new baby Yoda. 
he is the, the bond he, he's the bond villain the mcu needs um yeah i mean i feel like he's the most nuanced villain but maybe that's more of the fact that they've had even more time to kind of play with and develop the character through the tv show as well here mm-hmm. but yeah you're right jason yeah. about like everyone being fleshed out and they all have nuance you understand their motivations here and and for him he's making he made a really powerful line well let me see i I wrote it down uh the desire to become superhuman cannot be separated from supremacist ideals and And that go ahead go no you go ahead like go Uh, ahead take it away uh you know that that's interesting uh that that i I haven't read it yet so i really shouldn't speak to it but i i want to say like um uh, Grant Morrison touches on ideas like that in uh, uh, Super Gods, uh, his book that came out a couple of years ago. I've got it on the shelf over here somewhere. Um, but yeah, uh, but uh, Alan Moore also says uh, stuff like that in his criticism of modern comic books. He says, these are all just uh, the fantasies, like Nietzsche and Superman fantasies. And uh, so, I mean, I think you can see some credence uh, to that and you would understand his argument. You know, and that's I mean, that's the whole like uh, point of like Watchmen too. It's like when someone, any any entity, individual or organization that gains too much power without any sort of check or oversight is danger. And 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 to like Sam's point about like well Steve Rogers, and and Bucky throws that or Zemo throws that right back at me. He's like, yeah, Steve Rogers. Who else is gonna be like that? Except Sam. Sam, Sam's the other guy who could do that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's oh, it's an, it's an interesting it, it, take uh, because it's I mean you've got like three different people here in this show who kind of have a claim to the shield. Uh, there's a bunch of like they keep they keep uh, dangling it for a bunch of people like they have yeah. they have um. Of course, Sam, who was rightfully given the shield by by Steve. You have um, the new cap, uh, whatever his name is, John Walker, who was mm-hmm. appointed by the government. And one could argue, you know, that was the same approach they took for Steve. They, they just recruited a guy. Um, but then you have Carly, who they have this really weird scene at this, uh, uh, at this graveyard <laughs> where, A, there that's an absurd place to hide the serum but yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> hey um, did anyone find it did anyone find it yeah. no <laughs> fair fair point but yeah the fact that they're like um uh that guy's like there to be like hey audience i really think that carly could also be um heir to the the captain america cow i was like get the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is true to exactly one person and i'm pretty sure he's dead now <laughs> i mean there was that moment where you see where all the all the serum spills out and zemo picks it up and he he looks at it for a second and did you guys think that he was considering taking it i did just for a second i did and yeah. this is a guy, this yeah. is a man yeah. of principle. Yeah. Go ahead. It's true to the character. I mean, again, that's just a, that's an example of incredible writing. Yes, of course he thought about it, but the character is his whole deal. His whole thing is, I do not care for super soldiers. They are against my way of life. They're, they're a danger to the world. 
by becoming one, he would have betrayed his entire character. It was very, it was very good instincts from the writers to let him do what he does and start smashing, start smashing serums up. That that hesitation though, that little beat he takes is right. perfect. He's because only, he's only human. Yeah, and you you juxtapose that with John Walker, who um, luckily was wearing an outfit with like a million pockets. He can just slip that in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, I mean, you understand the motivations there, and and I don't know. I I could almost make an argument that the person so reluctant and so opposed to what it means to. Uh, have superhero powers without accountability like Zemo would have been more worthy of taking that super soldier serum than a person like John Walker, who uh, is just kind of power tripping. I I don't know if he's just power tripping. I don't, that's not what I buy from him. Yeah. We were going to talk about this later on, but but let's just talk about John Walker right now. John Walker, I, I don't think he's a bad guy. I do not think he's a bad person at all. I think that, as we know, the serum brings out what's best in you and brings out, if you're good, you become great. If you're not so good, you become a lot worse. John Walker, unlike Steve, has a primary motive. The the thing that's keeping him going more than anything else is his, this sense within him that he is just completely inadequate. You know, and we saw it here. Where they were talking about his time getting his uh, getting his medals of honor, and that was because he wasn't able to save his men. He wasn't able to save Battlestar. He wasn't able to beat a single door. He got pantsed by the Dora. The thing that motivates John Walker is his unending sense of inadequacy. And what motivates him to take this is because finally, finally, he's comparing himself to Steve too. Like I'm inadequate compared to Steve Rogers, but if I take this serum. Maybe then, finally, finally, I will be worthy of carrying on his legacy and carrying the shield. I don't know if he's right. I sincerely doubt it. Uh, he he demonstrated that he was he's he's not right at the end of the episode. But inadequacy is driving every decision he makes, and I don't think that makes him a bad guy. I think that makes him a very insecure guy. Maybe that, that makes him a foolish guy. But I don't. I'm not convinced he's a bad guy. Point yet. Agreed. Yeah. And then, uh, and then you show me that picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think he, uh, you know, yeah, he's, uh, he's probably got survivor's guilt. Uh, you know, he's got PTSD, uh, maybe some imposter syndrome, definitely. So he's, he's carrying a lot of weights, but he genuinely thinks he's doing the right thing. But here's another thing. If uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier had not gotten involved, would he be a successful Captain America? Mm. No. <laughs> well, I mean, I like, he's he's completely riding on their coattails of, of like everything they're doing, and and that's a, a continuing testament to um, Sam. And I I like how they're playing off of what it means to be a hero, especially with um, Sam's approach versus the the brute force approach that John Walker's kind of advocating of um, follow these guys. They have the better hand, but at the same time punch through and just grab Corley Mar- Morgenthau and, and stop that situation. I, it enriches Sam's background that he's a person who did in, in um, what was it? Uh, uh, Winter soldier. He was uh, his, his previous job was talking to people who had PTSD, like talking them through their trauma 
and trying to help them with compassion. And that is the type of character, that's the type of of integrity that is good for Captain America. That's what us, the audience, are clearly rooting for here. And now that we see John Walker have his mental break, it's all the more poignant that Sam's approach uh, be the one that we kind of gravitate toward and that hopefully he can kind of step up and even maybe save, save John Walker from a very unfortunate viral moment. That was a brilliant <laughs> moment that I did not remember about Sam's background that he would work with soldiers who, you know, back from war and had PTSD and stuff like that and how that just factors seamlessly into this story. Um, but their interaction here with, you know, Sam wanting everyone to kind of take a breath, let him go in and talk to them and talk to Carly uh, again, this show. And so superheroics and superhero stories are ultimately in a lot of ways, just about law enforcement on some level. Right. I mean, you know, it's good guys versus bad guys or whatever. And so when you have, uh, there's a lot underneath the surface of this show. Like there's a lot of stuff that's unspoken and a lot of things that have been dealt with implicitly and explicitly in the comic books. But when you, where our culture is at right now, when you have someone that represents America, that's loaded, you know, that could, that could go a lot of different ways. And I thought the show, it's like, there are there's some elephants in the room that the show has had to address in terms with law enforcement and a black man uh, being uh, the representative of America. And uh, in episode two, I think it was a black man uh, dealing with uh, the uh, police department uh, and what his encounter was like. And uh, and so and now you've got this moment that they or the a couple of moments that they put in episode four where Sam is like, hey, let me just go in and talk to him first. I mean, that that says a lot about the national discussion right now where you know people are getting gunned down and stuff like that. And so it's one of those things where a lot of superhero uh, shows and media and comics uh, games, I know the, uh, I want to say the Spider-Man uh, game on the PS4 got into trouble because uh, Spider-Man, got some flack because Spider-Man's relationship with the cops was completely sunny and he was helping them like they were good guys and always in the right. I'm not even making a statement about that, but I'm just saying being that that is such a, a topic right now, uh, this show had to address stuff like that. It had to, uh, if they ignored it, they would get called out. If they handled it wrong, they would get called out. And so they're being very delicate with it. In my opinion, again, as a white male, Seems like they're handling it pretty well. They're, you know, they're trying to serve a lot of masters, but uh, it's one of those things that they couldn't not. Oh, bad choice of words. Amazing. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Oh, you, you almost had it. You almost had it. Don't worry. I'll write you. I'll write you a permission slip. Don't worry. I got you, man. <laughs> oh, Damn you it. were so close. Damn you it. almost. Oh, and there goes your entire eloquent, beautiful point. <laughs> I just, I just got canceled. Uh, no, uh, I mean, Jason, Jason. it's it's one of those where it's like you know they were damned if they do and damned if they don't, and it seems to me like they're that they're handling that delicately, and I'm glad that they even had the 
the the courage to approach it, you know, in such a, right. uh, a high level show. Yeah, no, you're so. absolutely right. This is a this is they you know, uh, much like all comics, really. This is a deeply political show, and yes. the the and and I before before I was writing children's television, I used to be a lobbyist, so you know that's exactly oh, yeah. what I want in my comic books. Yeah, so this <laughs> mm -hmm. is right up my alley. Um, what I aside from even the domestic politics that Jason was speaking of, the very last image of the episode. I mean, be, let's take let's talk about John Walker again as the representative of America. The world sees what America stands for when he's holding that that bloody shield. What that reminds me of, and I don't know, maybe maybe it's just me. This is the Abu Ghraib photos to me. This is the MCU equivalent of the Abu Ghraib photos. When uh, some people who are in the United States military torturing detainees, like this is the world seeing America go too far, and it's going to have a lot of repercussions for the nation and John Walker himself. And it's, we're gonna we're gonna see, I believe, the image of the nation take a big hit in the MCU, and that's only going to embolden groups like the Flag Smashers to keep upping their ante and being a lot more dangerous than we've already seen them be. It's uh, things are coming to a head, and it's not gonna be pretty. I I agree with everything you guys are saying, and I, I you know to piggyback a little bit off of what uh, Jason you were talking about the shift that is that the mcu has made with both this show and wandavision before it to taking a little bit more seriously the motivations of people that we just label as villain or bad guy and and making it something that's a little bit more complex than just take them down put arrest them put them in jail or whatever having zemo in this episode when Zemo was a, a person who was a true victim of the Avengers who lost his family to them and lost like a lot of what he had. I would say everything, but he's a Baron who still seems pretty rich. Um, <laughs> he's doing all right. <laughs> doing all right there. But, um, but he was a, a true victim of the, the hubris of, of Tony Stark and um, his, his move to be the, the sole protector with his, his, his powers and his billions of dollars. And to bring him back into this show and show, you know, let's do a little bit of an examination here of what it means to to grapple with that and and hold on to that pain and how you channel it. And it's not so simple of like, oh, you're a bad guy. Carly is coming from a very similar place of like, look, the world was working for a lot of us. Everyone else came back and they forgot about that and went back to having borders everywhere. I love how this how this show is examining that it's a lot more gray than black and white in, in the nuance here between um, good and evil and that mental, mental health, mental awareness of like people that have gone through trauma like Wanda or um, the people that went through the blip. Like there's a shared world trauma here that is not adequately being addressed. And the show is trying to show that and bring that up as part of the conversation, which is a very smart call, I think, of, of the MCU to, to use television to be able to examine that in a longer form storytelling. Yeah, it's I think that's what the, the shows are really going to be good about. And they, you know, in the movies, there were so many characters they had to satisfy. There's so many plot points, not just uh, how they. uh <sighs> There were so many things going on that it, it I don't know, uh, 
it's fascinating to see how they're able to keep all of the plates spinning, you know, uh, and with this, it, it's like, it's like, there's so many things going on in movies that they can't spend a lot of time with the angst of, of survivor's guilt and, you know, people surviving all of this stuff. Uh, and yet, so they said, okay, these shows are going to be like connective tissue basically for the movies. Mm -hmm. And they're going to kind of set the stage and we're going to be able to spend a lot of time with people that we probably couldn't justify putting opening weekend. We're going to tell this story in a big theater. Right. Uh, and yet you'd think that that would mean that they were going to simplify things going to the smaller scale. And they're not, you right. know, it's just as dense, but it's just like, it's like, Hey, we're just going to flip this over and look at, at like at all of this stuff from this angle now. And what you, what you said, Grant, uh, man, I'd really like to see stuff about like, like during the blip, like more of what we saw at the beginning of uh Endgame, you know, and like how, how people are struggling, like some other heroes and how they handled the blip. Like, like what happened for daredevil during the blip, you know, that yeah, kind of it's, thing. It's such a, it's a, it could have just been this plot contrivance that right. allows, but now they're like treating this as yeah. like, this is a, has a real ramifications for the rest of the future of what the MCU is. And it's ramifications so. for the people for, for like the real people you know, and, and mm -hmm. for the world. And it's not just some comic book thing. It's like, Oh no, how, how did they, deal with this because like in the infinity gauntlet comic uh whenever uh it was all undone most of the people didn't remember it i think and it was just like okay that that that's over and now we can forget about it there are no long-term effects and this this you know in these movies the the interesting thing is that uh that uh, since they can't draw characters that don't age forever and ever you know, and keep everyone in stasis, things can change in the movies. Mm, and you can see right. people dealing with long-term traumas and actual deaths of characters. And so there's uh, there are stakes here that, you know, in the comic book, somebody goes away, they'll be back, you know, or it'll get mm. undone, it'll get fixed, whatever. But in the MCU, since, you know, you've got actors whose contracts expired and people get old and they die and everything uh, in real life, we're going to be able to see, I think, like some some approaches to these stories with some real gravity because uh, we, we can't say that they won't be undone, but it's, it's different. The stakes are much, much bigger, I think in the MCU. Yeah. And a lot more real, honestly. I mean, the idea, mm -hmm. the very idea of what we know as the nation state is radically changing before our very eyes today. We have yeah. tons of stateless people wandering the world. We have great nations in like Russia. that are just like, I just want Georgia today. We're just going to take it. Like, this is the stuff that the that is occurring in the blip. And I, for one, I agree with you. I would love to see maybe later on down the line or in a different series, you know, what was it like when there were no borders? What was that like? Was it a better time? I bet it was in some ways, but it was worse in many others. And it's an ongoing discussion that we are having as a people as we discuss immigration, migration, refugees. Like, these are the things we need to be talking about. And I think that much like the best comics do, the MCU shows are speaking real truth to actual issues and perhaps even giving us warning signs of what we shouldn't do. Will we heed them? I hope. But all I know is I really like seeing it play out like this. It's, this is a, I can imagine being in that writer's room trying to set all this stuff up without knocking over any of the dominoes early. It's it, credit to that writer's room. Oh, it's, it's, I don't it's, know if I can survive in there. It's Pepe Silvia. 
<laughs> it really is. <laughs> lines and craziness. Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of my favorite parts of last episode was when Zemo's talking to Sam and and Bucky about, oh, yeah, you know what happened to Sokovia after it dropped down on the ground in the rubble? All the other cu- countries just came in and divvied it up. Sokovia is gone. Doesn't exist anymore. Um, yeah. And now there's a memorial there, and you guys probably didn't even go visit that either, which is a perfect condemnation of the superheroes and them failing to think of the accountability and the repercussions of, of their actions. You know, if, if you want to play hero, it's a lot more than just beating up the bad guy. It's the aftermath <laughs> and dealing with that. And now like the other thing that we saw in this episode is that I think is super sad is that Sam doesn't seem to have any friends in the Avengers. Right. Where are they? Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you made a joke about like you know, like his phone should be blowing up with everyone going like, "Dude, what are you doing?" But it's not happening. Um, no one is contacting him. And when his sister is in mortal peril and his nephews, what does he say? Go find a hotel, pay in cash. He doesn't have any other resources. And I'm like, what happened with the rest of them? Where are they? Where is any of his like sort of like safety blanket for what he did? Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, because point. we 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 it's don't know point. if we don't know if there are Avengers right now. And this has been the question that has they've had to answer throughout the entire franchise. Like, oh, and this is happening in uh, in Iron Man's movie. You know, where's his friend Thor? Why doesn't he just call Thor? Mm. You know, and so. Uh, you see a lot of that, but you would think like there would be at least a little bit like, you know, I mean, I know. Yeah. Wanda has no friends yeah, either. It's, and Wanda had no friends. Yeah. Yeah. And you could go down the list and account for each of them, you know, but like, really? It's like, especially this, this whole thing with John Walker, that's all over the news. And then in the background with all these phones around there's Sam and Bucky just kind of going, uh, he just straight up decapitated a guy. <laughs> and, uh, you, you'd think like at least like Hawkeye would call and go, so saw you on the news. Right. <laughs> you know? you know, it, I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to make it sound like a cop out, but it's that classic question when you're reading a Batman comic and he's dealing with Bane, like why couldn't he just call Superman? Like we had to give the characters a chance to struggle a little bit, you yeah. know? I I, yeah. I I understand the frustration. We do ask more of the MCU because it is so good at this. But I, I'm willing to I'm willing to let that one slide because you know the real world implications of getting these actors to do these right. things can be a little I, hard. <laughs> I don't chalk it up as a plot hole so much as there's something sad going on that he doesn't like. This guy doesn't seem to have that kind of uh, friendship network from being in that organization or any mm. other sort of backing like oh, it yeah. I mean, be like um pepper pots hey um can you <laughs> at least like put them up in a nicer hotel with some security yeah. well, hey, think think about who his friends were when they were on the run he had steve and he had sharon and sharon's still backing him up steve's you know not around um I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know who else he like felt close enough to like possibly war machine, but 
I don't I don't know who else he could call on. That psycho reviewer says Hawkeye saying, ah, bet you wish I had you had my arrows now, Flyboy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very good. That's very good. Uh speaking of Sharon, we discussed this a bit last week, but um let me ask you guys what you think about her. And is she power broker? Oh. Oh. That's oh. a good question. A oh wow. Question. All right. She's totally got to be power broker, right? Oh wow. I I hadn't considered that. That's mm. crazy. Because in the comics. Okay, yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, yeah, he's definitely a dude. Yeah. Well, in the comics, Sharon is like I mean, she's a badass in this, but like in the comics, they refer to her uh, as Bo was telling me in her first reveal in her first appearance in the comics as like the most effective and deadliest secret agent in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. so she she certainly has a lot of reason to be the power broker, given that the United States government has cast her to the wayside, despite all the things she did to help Captain America save the world. So yes. it, I mean, she, the motivation is certainly there. Last week's episode was called Power Broker, and we seemingly don't see Power Broker, and yet huh. she's introduced in that episode. This oh, wow. week we see, uh, and and one could be like, well, what would be her motivation then for point bringing them to her cook, who's making super soldier serum? Maybe she's got a bigger end game as well that we don't know yet, and that'll be revealed. Um, but. We also see that Sam reaches out to her and is like, hey, uh, just by a long shot, do you happen to have um, access to satellites? And yes, what what uh, underground art dealer wouldn't have access to satellites, guys? <laughs> 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 probably would. I've got access to like two. I mean. Yeah, what? <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, Was it like being broke, Murphy? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, once again, problems, um, man. Modern Rogue. Check, check out Modern Rogue, where yeah. apparently they have access to satellites. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Uh, go to YouTube, do, or excuse me, patreon.com slash modern rogue and uh, hook us up so we can get a third satellite. <laughs> <laughs> we need a, we need a, we've only got two. So wow. I want to pay that hunting cost. You want more satellites. Help us. We're poor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, in addition um, to Sharon uh, having access to satellites. You see, like when she's walking through all those like security blockades, she's walking through the crime alley with a degree of authority, just cruising th- through there. Like she's talking onto the phone to the, those guys, but she doesn't seem concerned with anything shady that's going on around her because she's Damn totally right. powerful. You know, I got I got a side with a uh, Mr. Commentary or Will Morris here. It feels this this franchise, this entire franchise, has always been good about surprises. It's been good about reveals. It's been great about you know setting things up that you think are going to go one way and they go somewhere completely different. Sharon being the power broker feels way too easy. I, mean, I agree one hundred percent. Well, I I I think there's. There's a chance, maybe uh, my my personal theory, my personal theory is the power broker might be many people. Might not might not be one person. Maybe that could be shared. Maybe she's in the group of the power it's, broker. I don't think anonymous. She it's like a collective. It could be a collective. That's my I, thought. Like flag smasher. Like, now <laughs> as George Lucas said about the about the prequels, they rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I, I I could make also the argument that 
Zemo could potentially be power broker. And this is somehow him just kind of like, he could have been operating behind the scenes. He was super wealthy and, and had access to, I guess, break out of prison whenever he wanted. I don't know what's going on. He has all these cars and maybe he was doing this on the side. And like, now he's, he's just kind of along for the ride with these guys. Cause it's kind of fun. And he's just fucking with them. I hope they break into the power brokers lair in the final episode. And then he's like at his chair and then he turns around and it's banner. And he's like, Oh, Hey guys, <laughs> you look, you look mad. Are you mad? Why are you guys mad? Did I miss something? Are you supposed to be here today? <laughs> yeah. Like I was just working on the whole serum thing. I think I figured it. Oh, that's bad. Okay. Okay. I, I see. I see where you're coming from with the, yeah. Oh shit. Um, yeah. So I think that, uh, there's a couple other points I wanted to bring up. I'd like that Zemo is a man of a man who has a code. He has a certain degree of honor and he, he very much believes in that, like him picking up the vial and then crushing all of them. Like that's not his draw. He's very focused. Like anyone who's trying to, to elevate some people above other people is creating a power differential. And this is, that's a form of supremacy that he's just violently against. There's an argument for it. There's an argument against it, but he's very strict to it. And I thought that in addition to like his code, there's something kind of refreshing about um, Bucky's relationship with him in that like Bucky seems to look at him and like straight up tells him like, oh yeah, the Dormelages are after you Um, uh, and we could hand you in or not. But like, that's one of those writing things where Bucky could know that they're out to get uh zemo and they're hot on the heels and he keeps that a secret but he doesn't he's not concerned with keeping secrets from zemo i guess and i think that that is a a sign of of respect between all of them that like i value your information i'm not going to keep stuff from you i will make you aware hey they're probably gonna arrest you or take you back to wakanda right after this but um in the meantime we're working together i'm gonna try and keep (laughs) them away from you uh, I'm I'm excited what they're doing with Zemo because they're setting the stage for Thunderbolts, and uh, I mean it, they they could be right. Yes, I, I don't know that that's happening, but are you familiar with the Thunderbolts, Grant? That's that's Suicide Squad, right? For uh, basically Marvel. Suicide Squad for Marvel, yes. But uh, it was it was this group of heroes that showed up in the '90s, and uh, they were you know it was uh, Kurt Busiek, if I'm not mistaken, uh, who wrote it, and they were uh, yeah. There's, group of new heroes nobody knew who they were and uh the comic was doing well and then like i want to say like a couple of issues in i don't remember when the reveal was you're like okay new comic new heroes oh what's the identity of their it's baron zemo what Mm. and it turns out it's baron zemo and then like all of these new heroes that you're into are avengers villains they're bad guys. And it was a, one of the greatest reveals in comic book history because nobody really knew. Everyone just thought, okay, it's this these second stringers that Marvel's trying to introduce. It's like, oh no, they're bad guys trying to be bad guys. But then you uh, they start to realize helping people's kind of cool. <laughs> and so it, it, <laughs> there's there's some growth in there, but I I really want to see them take Zemo in that direction. I think that would be that would be really, really neat to see like how they approach that 
Um, what do you guys think uh, overall about the the flag smashers? I'm. It, it seemed like they were going to be a, a silly means to a a larger an end of a larger villain, right? The reveal of the power broker, and that was going to be the real villain. But they did get kind. Their their story got uh, extrapolated and expanded upon in a way that I was like, oh, okay, they are doing a little bit more commentary on the blip and the ramifications of that and borders and stuff. Um, I don't know. Do you guys, do you find your, your siding with them or no? Look there, we could, it could very easily be argued. And again, in our modern era, the nation state is failing you, especially here in these here, beautiful United States. I mean, we are going through a pandemic where it took entirely too long for the government response to be anything close to adequate. This is this, the the flag smashers feel that's the way the world treats them. They the now that everyone's back, the nation state has failed them. Look at their refugee school; it's a total dumping ground. They can't even get teachers reliably. They can't get supplies. They can get nothing. No one cares for these people. And except you know, Zemo, except for Zemo, exactly, <laughs> except for Zemo. He's the first person who's come around in six months to give a damn. And I know the GRC is a thing, but if it's anything like, you know, the the governments that we have, that we face here today, they're focused on helping the richer nations while leaving the poor nations behind. And after a while, when you've been neglected by the nation state system over and over and over again, yeah, it's going to turn you sour. And there is a lot to, there's a lot to judge. There's the, their movement. I'm not going to say their violence is justified, but their movement is certainly has elements that are justified for sure. Um, that psychotic, that psycho reviewer says insane thought. What if Norman Osborne is the power broker? <laughs> Ooh. Uh, if it's Willem Dafoe or I don't want it. Yeah. Getting, getting a little ahead of yourself there. Uh, it, that is insane. <laughs> and I'm glad you acknowledge that it's insane, <laughs> but I like it. I'm, I'm into it. Not going to happen, but that's pretty cool. That would feel so out of left field to me. I'd be like, there was nothing <laughs> yeah, to indicate yeah. that at all. But, but uh, you know, you guys are writers. That'd probably be something you guys would throw at us. Uh, if, you know, if we have the character, yes. <laughs> I would advocate the Doctor Doom myself personally, but that's just because I'm a Doom stan. I, I, I love Doom myself. Oh man, he he would fit quite well into these stories. I can't wait to see how they're weaving him into all this, uh, you know, social political intrigue and uh, and all that, the geopolitics. But uh, oh, maybe I don't this know. is like completely creating a pocket for Doom. Uh, like you know, there are, there are a lot of ways you could bring Doom in. That's one of them. Uh, you know, as a, a rival to Wakanda or something like that, you can introduce him no. that way. There's that's there's a lot of different comic. Yeah, 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 and and uh, uh, no, that's a that's a really exciting point. Um, like who who the power broker could be? Like making him Norman Osborn, uh, I would I would be really mistrustful because I would think it was it was another Ralph Boner moment. Whenever if Willem Dafoe showed up as a guy named Norman, <laughs> I would think it was a Ralph Boner moment, and I would get real angry. I would get real <laughs> angry. Did you not like they, the Boner moment? They did nothing wrong. You got your hopes and dreams up, and they shattered them. That's why I, I like the Last Jedi so much. People got their hopes up, and they were shattered, and it felt good to me. <laughs> that's 
that's demented and you should talk to someone about that. <laughs> I, I, I root for the New England Patriots. So my my greatest <laughs> joy in life is people's hopes and dreams being just cast to the wayside. So. <laughs> or 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 deflated a little bit. <laughs> hey, hey, we're, we're this is an MCU podcast. Don't save save your save your deflated jokes for the Grant, Grant you have a you have a you have a sports podcast, right? No, I do not. I only I don't know what deflated game I want. I'm so glad this has been recorded because I made a sports joke and it was pretty good. Not was timely. Good. I liked it. Not timely. Was, yeah, four years late, but good. <laughs> it, it was great, Jason. Um, so I think that we still have to talk a little bit more about John Walker, in so much as I think I have a theory for how this um, whole season is going to end. The final scene. I believe is going to be Zemo walking in to the apartment where John Walker is with little booties on his feet and gloves on. And he pulls a departed on him and just pop, pop caps, caps, John Walker and walks out. And then a rat walk. Do you, John- <laughs> 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 you say that? Cause I was literally watching the departed this morning. <laughs> Sorry, we have a we have a little bit of a, a hiccup there. No, the video. Just oh, okay. <laughs> I thought I thought I said like I said I, I was literally watching The Departed this morning, and you all just kind of stopped and was like, <laughs> like "What is going on with the video?" <laughs> like, I like I like how Martin. you knew you were going to be on this podcast, so you waited till the last minute to watch the episode, but you watched The Departed this morning. <laughs> Departed. <laughs> I got to prepare it's for true. the podcast. I don't watch <laughs> The Departed. Exactly. <laughs> but you, I like ready. that. I, yeah, I, I like that idea, though, that Zemo just ends up finishing him, you know, in a quiet moment at the end. I think I that would be pretty cool. I Zemo, want to live. I want to live. Zemo oh, yeah. escaped multiple times from these guys only to come back, right? He keeps coming back. Like, he escapes from them, from the handcuffs, and goes and destroys the uh, the serum, and then is back with the gang. I mean, I guess that wasn't necessarily coming back, but he, it feels like he's had opportunities to kind of uh, jump ship from them. And he's kind of along for the ride because he does believe in the cause. Yeah. I want to see, I want to see Zemo now like get together with like Batrock and crossbones yes. and uh, uh, John Walker when John Walker fully and holy breaks and back again, it wouldn't be the Thunderbolts, but like, Give us like the masters of evil or something like that. That supervillain team. Uh, not that any of those guys listed would be able to take on the Avengers. But, uh, <laughs> Have you seen how far Batrock can jump? Watch <laughs> out, everyone. Watch out. I just want to see Thor go, why is that man bouncing so much? <laughs> I personally believe, and I, I'm, I'm willing to be pantsed on this, but I believe there's redemption for John Walker. I, 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 I we've got. I don't know if it's going to come at the end of this episode, this series, but I think there's redemption for John Walker. I think he has a difficult road to walk. I think, not unlike the comic John Walker, he will either he will recognize that he is not, you know, the man he wants himself to be quite yet. He's not the enduring symbol that America needs. And maybe his approach needs to be a little different. But I believe that he is not going to go down this path of darkness that a lot of people seem to think he's gone for. This is a multi-layered character. And if he survives the show, 
I think he's got a lot of good to contribute to the future MCU. I just, I don't know how you use an American shield, a symbol of, of America to decapitated it <laughs> like, repeatedly on camera and then get to still be any sort of representative of uh in, in that sort of uniform or feel like what? you you can still be uh a hero that can be like that can handle this shit look we all know that his true destiny is not to be captain america this man is u.s oh. agent that is his job he is he, that a u.s agent operates a little differently but his, his aim is still the same by eventually, not immediately, what? but eventually. What if, here's the thing. Uh, so the original story in 1986, when uh, uh, John Walker took over uh, the shield uh, was because I believe it was because uh, Steve Rogers quit or was forced to resign or something like that. He, because he quit. He quit. He quit because America wasn't, he couldn't, America wasn't representing the values that it used to, or or something to that effect. Oh, and the then whole, it was, it's not important. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, when he uh, when he quit, uh, I mean that changes things, you know. So we really can't say what's going to happen, right? By we can't use the comic as a guidebook. Uh, for what's right. going to happen to this, because what what the MCU has done is they're they're picking like all of these great threads and said, how do we weave them together? And honestly, in a lot of ways, make them better, right? Um, but that just makes me think how how Steve quit because uh, you know he didn't feel like he could embody uh, what America meant these days or whatever. You know, I would really like John Walker to just be like, you know what. I'm going to accurately represent America. <laughs> I want them to do that. I want them. I want to see that TV show of John Walker, Captain America. No, you know, stars and stripes and yeah, whatever. But, you know, it's like he's got like KFC stickers. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> he's a full NASCAR. <laughs> yeah, he's like full NASCAR. It's like the shield is sponsored by DuPont. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and then he, and then he's like, you know, after he's, he's caught on tape, like decapitating somebody, he looks at the camera and he goes, watch Real Housewives of Avengers Mansion Tuesday is at nine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then he belches because he's kind of fat, you know, and, and, and whenever he talks to the Falcon, he often says, now, I'm not racist, <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> just so relatable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I mean, let's let's make him America if we want to do I, that. You know, you 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 have described the comics John Walker pretty accurately. He's kind of a racist guy. He said <laughs> a bunch of horrible shit about like indigenous yeah. people. It's not great. It's not yeah. great. And, and uh, you know, I I want to see him like. Like maybe like he took the he took the the serum even though he's like hardcore anti-vaxxer, you know, and like I want to see them explore that. <laughs> I I find that they've introduced a lot of really interesting characters in this show with with uh you know uh John Walker and um and Battlestar and uh 
uh, Carly Morgenthau. The problem is, though, like the rest of the Flag Smasher group, they all are super soldiers. They all have super serum, whatever, super people. All of them are disposable. They're all in the background, like in fight scenes. And I don't know who's who, except for that they're like, they're all wearing just like all black. And it's, it's, it's just one, once again, one of these things of like all of these villains, they just need multiple bad guys to, to fight for fight sequences, um, which really diminishes Zemo's argument of, of like how dangerous they are. Cause I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like They don't even seem like a threat. It's just a, a, a nuisance in these fight scenes. And they're not trained. These are just people who got access to, it's like, give me a rocket launcher. I'd probably kill myself by accident. Like, <laughs> the fact that they can still fight, even though they're not trained, like, they're doing but, their best. Give the kids a chance, man. Come on now. All right, fair. I, I, I just am leaning much more toward um, the Thunderbolts idea as a spinoff from here, where we have fleshed out a bunch of really interesting super soldiers or whatever they kind of want to do with them. Um, and it, it once again... Bucky's or Zemo's argument about like, you know, any super soldiers are bad also really should be challenged by anyone who goes, did you forget that because we had a few superpowered people here, we are able to defend this planet from aliens. We have sorcerers now. We have all, <laughs> you know, all the other crazy stuff that's going on. Super soldiers. <laughs> it's like, did, did no one tell Zemo about the big three? <laughs> yeah, we got big three. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, guys, do you want to? Do you have any uh, closing thoughts for theories of where this show goes, or uh, any just kind of zany theories? Uh, Dimitri, uh, I'll know, start with I, you. No, no, nothing too terribly deep. Uh, I don't know if you guys talked about Isaiah Bradley's uh, grandson. That kid's gonna be Patriot, and it's gonna it's gonna be great. I look forward to seeing him join the Young Avengers. I look forward to seeing him, uh, you know, trying to live up to his grandfather's legacy, even in this country, as he tries to serve this country that let down his entire his entire grandfather's generation. So very excited for some Patriot in my life. Don't know what's going to happen here, but excited to see it. Yeah, that's uh, that's really exciting. I I hope we get to see more exploration of the uh, Super Soldier Serum and its long and storied and troubled history. I mean, we could even you know have a couple of nods to the Weapon X program and the connections uh, to that, which that could be really exciting. Just some little Easter eggs or something like that. That could be really neat. Uh, I hadn't really given a thought to the identity of the Power Broker, but now that you have put it in my head that, oh, no, this is uh, possibly going to be a reveal. Now I want to know who the power broker is. Uh, but something that uh, we haven't really been asking that I really want to see a resolution to is, at the end of this, who's going to be holding the shield? They had, in the, they had in the trailers that Bucky and um, Sam are like out in, out in the trees, out in the forest or something, and they're like taking turns chucking the shield around. Was that just a promo? Like, I don't this even why know. I don't watch trailers. This is why I don't watch trailers, man. I want, I don't want to see that. I want that to be a surprise. Why would you tell me these things? Six season or six episode, they get a, after everything is said and done, they get a cabin together and they start, uh, you know, making uh, their own in Vermont and they start making their own maple syrup and they just retire from the game and they start like a, an extreme disc golf using vibranium shields and they live happily ever after. 
What, what's that song during the, the volleyball scene during Top Gun? They can play that. Hey, what is it? Hanging with the boys. Playing <laughs> with the boys. You know, I I really want to see like some of those old X Men posters of them just like hanging out by the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Ride motorcycles together, playing baseball. Well, you guys have given the Marvel crew a lot of material to work with, I think, for upcoming shows. We'll see where they go from here. If they want to hire either of us, we would love to write those shows for you. You know, we're ready. Absolutely. (laughs) They're like, oh, this is is this really the script you wanted to hand in? (laughs) <laughs> you saw the volleyball part, right? Yeah. And they're like, let me, no. they're like, no, let me let me read you the first page of this script that came in. Gabby is nailed to the tree of woe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is my it is my favorite part of seeing uh, a, a new and show, be it a Marvel show or any other show. I'm like, oh man, that's gonna be good. And then I have to take a second and be like. Oh wait, I can like submit for that. Like I can try to get on that show. That's awesome. I won't gut it. I won't, but I can sure try. <laughs> well, I think I'm gonna go ahead and wrap things up there. Uh Dimitri, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you? Now, the only the only social media that I that I actually use, you know, fact, consistently is Instagram. Uh, I should probably remember my Instagram handle, but if anyone out there in MCU pod land wants to follow me and my silly antics, you can find me at the word heavy underscore D I I that is heavy D heavy underscore D I I. Um, I like to post a lot about politics. I like to post opportunities for, you know, writers uh, who are, you know, out there who want to, you know, make a break into the industry, black writers, uh, non-white writers of all sorts of, you know, uh, uh, anyone who feels like, you know, you want to do something different in the writing industry. I try to post a lot of opportunities about that. I like to post a lot of the food I eat. Um, you know, I'm not doing anything major out there, but you know, Instagram's fun. And uh, if you want to follow along for the adventure, I'd love to have you. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us. Uh, Jason, what about uh, you? Yeah, thanks. Uh, I am on The Modern Rogue, which comes out on YouTube all the time. Uh, two, three episodes a week. I don't know. There's, It's a lot. Um, and uh, uh, I have a book uh, available on uh, Amazon right now. It's uh, called Killer Candy, the first book in the Occultic series. It is, uh, if you like Ghostbusters or Fright Night uh, uh, or, uh, you know, horror comedy, that's, uh, that's what you can expect. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think that's it oh jasonsmurphy.com that's a good one go sign up for my uh, newsletter i got some uh, big stuff coming up in the coming year books uh, shows all sorts of fun stuff so yeah well, I, right. I, I love I, i've only read one of your books Jason. i have purchased killer Kate as a ready yet but i love black oak motorcycle club so oh thank you people people get on this thank man you. this man knows how to write this man knows I how appreciate to write. i'm winging it constantly this man knows how to write <laughs> oh thanks man i appreciate that that's that's really kind of you I, I assume you know how to write. I'm not going to read your shit. That's um, <laughs> <laughs> fine. Uh, viewers, thank you so much for joining us on uh, this week's pod. Remember, you can follow us at youtube.com slash MCU pod. You can uh, subscribe to us uh, there. You can follow us on Twitter, MCU pod. You can go to MCU pod.com. MCU pod, MCU pod, MCU pod. Uh, next week is our penultimate episode of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode five. We are very excited uh, to dive in and see penultimates are, you know, penultimates are always the best episodes. That's my opinion. 
because you got to wrap things up in the, the last one. That could be a little boring, but that penultimate one. Ah. That's usually, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that, that's that's half measures, baby, and Breaking Bad. Yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's all the good episodes of Game of Thrones. It was always episode nine in a 10 episode season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, be sure to come check that out again. That's going to be friday night at 9 p.m central standard time you can always support us over at patreon.com slash mcu pod if you want to uh kick us a few bucks and you can uh, get bonus exclusive content we're doing more stuff throughout the week in fact um there might be an early release of a loose canon comics podcast over on our patreon i believe (laughs) really (laughs) are you aware of this no. <laughs> no. I, I, believe a, I believe a certain co-host of yours uh passed that along to me and said you should put that on there and i was like oh, oh that's awesome okay. so yeah. if you guys want an early preview of uh, loose uh, canon comics patreon.com slash mcu pod yeah where i make a lot of the same points i made tonight <laughs> <laughs> you you reference that you also watched the departed that's this morning Something yeah, exactly. that comes up on both podcasts. I, I watch the departed every morning Every morning, it's like, well, yeah, give me shelter, man. Give me shelter. Uh, thank you both again for joining us, and thank you to the audience. Um, our new sign out once again. I don't, me- I don't remember who came up with this, but uh, MCU later. <laughs> Thank you.